nothing compares. Amen. It's almost sacrilegious, it seems, to say Jesus is better than because he's incomparable. Amen. You might think Coke is better than Dr. Pepper or whatever. That's no problem. But to compare Jesus to anything else, it almost seems not right. But oh, I'm glad to know he's, not only is he incomparable, but he's attainable to you and I tonight. He is reachable. We can reach him. Glory. We can reach him because he reached way down for us. Hallelujah. I mean, glad tonight he reached way down for you. Where you were, he found you and he brought you. Amen. He brought you and he bought you. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, thank God. Thank you, musicians. Thank you, worship team. Glory be to God. Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord this evening? Amen. I'd rather be here than jail. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Amen. Uh, a day in thy courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. Hallelujah. Be in prayer for Pastor and uh, Sister Heather as they're, uh, they're spending some time with uh, extended family or, or out-of-town family this, the rest of this week. So be in prayer for them. The Lord will encourage them and refresh them. Amen, and uh, pray that, pray that uh, God would have his way in their lives. Hallelujah. Well, did you bring your Bible to church tonight? Amen. If you did, grab it, turn to the book of Matthew. If you didn't, turn your attention up here. We brought one for you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 17, if you have your Bibles. I want to read a, a portion of Scripture to you tonight that I, I feel like I'm safe at saying you've read this before, but I do want to share it with you uh, one more time and just trust that the Lord's going to speak to our hearts this evening. Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 5. Amen. If you have it, say amen. Amen. Well, one of you have got it. One of you has it. Praise the Lord. Look at it with me. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart. And he was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias, or Elijah. And while he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud, which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased, Hear ye him. Praise the Lord. I like what uh, Peter said there in verse number four. He said, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Amen. It's good for us to be here. We understand that this story, and it's seen several other places in the New Testament, but this story refers to the transfiguration of Christ. Um, a point that we'll discuss here in a few moments, but he brought several, he brought these three disciples with him for a purpose, and I want to look at that tonight if we can for the next few minutes and just ask the Lord to speak to our hearts, and I want to, I want to speak to us tonight if I can on this subject, and that is just simply transformed, transformed. Real quickly, pray with me if you don't mind, and let's ask God to have his way in the reading of, in, the, in the preaching of his word. Father, come by tonight and touch. As your word has been opened up to our minds and our hearts, I pray that you would open, open us up to receive, God, the things that you have for us. Each and every one of us in this building tonight, Lord, stand in need of a touch from heaven. And we know that you can come and minister to us in every way that we need. Lord, we just call your name great. 
And Lord, you are greatly to be praised. Touch us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Transformed. Transformed. Praise the Lord. Now Jesus has in his in the understanding in the in the uh, context of the scripture we see Peter James and John his disciples going with him into the mountain to pray amen now it's not going to be very long into the future just a few short weeks perhaps whenever he's going to bring those three with him again and they're going to take a journey into uh, Gethsemane and they're going to pray with him in this last hour or last moments of his life. And uh, there's been some speculation as to why these three were picked and the others were not. I don't know exactly why that is. Some said, well, maybe these three needed a little bit of an extra uh, comfort, an extra closeness to the Lord to prepare them for the things that would shortly come to pass. I don't know. I don't know that to be the case. Sounds good, fits right, at least in our uh, understanding of things, because I can tell you this, as much as I know about, uh, as much as I know about myself, and I'm sure as much as you may know about yourself, there are those times in our lives where when we feel the compulsion of the Lord to draw closer to Him, we need to take Him and take advantage of those times. Can you say amen? There's a reason why God pulls us close to Him. Amen. I'm not telling you that God wants you to be close and then he wants you to be away and then close. It's not that. He always wants us advancing. He always wants us moving forward. But there's times when God reaches out to your life and then he calls you to come to him closer maybe than what you've been before. Maybe he might call you to fast for some, for some time. Maybe he might call you to push away some things, grab his word. Uh, amen. Get on your knees before him uh, and just allow him to speak to your heart I'm not sure but whenever he does that granted it's for a purpose can you say amen it's for a purpose praise the Lord don't despise the day that God calls you and says come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest praise the Lord so maybe that's why God called these three to him just to strengthen them a little bit more in the days to come. And so he's sharing some things with them in this moment here on the Transfiguration Mountain that I believe was going to properly fit them for the ministry that was ahead. Hallelujah. We're going to get into that. The manifestation of his glory, the, the transfiguration of his countenance, amen, all of these things that was happening on the mountain, they weren't happening just by accident. Praise the Lord. Do you know this? Christ is careful who he shares his glory with. Amen. He's careful who he invites uh, into his glory. You know, he simply made a commandment, uh, gave a commandment to us uh, uh, in the book of Exodus. He said, I am the Lord thy God. I will have no other gods before me. He's a jealous God. Can you say amen? He doesn't share his glory with anybody. Now, he'll let us in on his glory, but he doesn't just let anybody come in and take what rightly, rightfully belongs to him. Thou shalt worship no other gods. And so he's very careful with who he shares his moments of glory and transfiguration with. But he's also just the same, very careful with who he shares his moments of pain with. And these three that he's speaking to with, or speaking with in this chapter, amen, these three seem to have uh, they, they have an experience, and, and we'll talk about that here in just a minute, but they have an experience in the Lord that I feel like tonight we can gain some hope from. Amen. We can gain some hope from. There's nowhere in the Scripture, well, let me, let me say it this way. When you look at the book of Genesis, especially Genesis chapter 1, we find where the Lord is working six days. The Scripture says in six days the Lord did His work, and on the seventh day He rested. How many of you have read that in the Scripture? But there's nowhere in the scripture 
where it tells you and I as followers of the Lord to follow after that pattern. In fact, the reverse of that is exactly what God's calling us to do, and that's what he's showing us in this scripture. Jesus does not call you and I to labor for him and then enter into his rest. In fact, the book of Hebrews tells us that there remains a rest for the people of God. God is calling you and I first to enter into his rest so that we can labor for him. Amen? You're not what you, uh, you and I are not at our best whenever we're working ourselves frantically and feverishly for the Lord. We're at our best when we're in his presence. Amen. When we're allowing ourselves to be radiated with the presence of God and as we're in, in filtered by the spirit of God and he takes up residence in our hearts and lives, it's then where he stands us on our feet just like Isaiah. Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up and he began to repent. God woe is me I'm a man that's unclean I'm unclean Lord God began to deal with him and as he entered into the rest of God God says "All right, now I want to see what you're going to do with it and so he just made a statement whom shall I send and who will go for us and Isaiah looked around and he said hey it's me I'll do it I'll do it now he wasn't willing to do that earlier in his life in fact I've always liked to I've always liked to consider this if you get the chance tonight, go, go to your, uh, when you get home, turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 5. In Isaiah chapter 5, boy, we find Isaiah, the, right, the righteous prophet, that man of God, he is thundering woe unto the nations. Look at it. Six, maybe seven different times, Isaiah in chapter number 5 says woe. Woe to the drunkard, woe to the extortionist, woe to this one, woe to that one. He pronounces these woes. But then in chapter 6, whenever God confronts him, he no longer looks at everybody else's issues. As the Lord begins to come upon him, Isaiah says, woe is me. Isn't it something how when, when we start trying to take things into our own perspective, we start understanding and start recognizing and pointing out problems that everybody else has. Can I let you in on a little secret? Everyone in this room's got problems. That was a good place to say amen. <laughs> let me let you in on a bigger secret. Your neighbor sitting next to you has some problems. <laughs> You're like, duh. <laughs> I could have told you that. I didn't want you to tell me that. <laughs> We all have our share of problems. We all have our share of issues and conditions. And it's easy to start recognizing them in the, in the lives of one another whenever that's what we're, that's what we're doing. We're starting, to, um, we're starting to pick apart each other. But you see, when we come into the presence of the Lord... And the Lord begins to, uh, begins to transform our lives and he begins to show us things about ourselves then I'm no longer concerned with what the problem is in my neighbor. It's now me, O Lord, who stands in the need of prayer. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. And so we have the Lord sharing those things with us. He comes to them in our scripture. He brings them to, a top, to the top of a mountain. Now history seems to suggest to us that this was possibly Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon in that setting was about 9,900 feet above sea level. Now, when you, when, you, uh, when you hear the Lord calling you and saying, hey, I want you to draw close to me, I mean, man, our first sight, well, we're, fixing to, we're fixing to grab something. We're fixing to get somewhere with the Lord. But then he says, I want you to meet me 9,100 feet from where we are right now. Wow, hold on. Wait, can we renegotiate that plan there, Lord? Let's consider something. No, nine, nine, if, if indeed where they, where they met was on Mount Hermon, 9,000 feet above sea level, that's going to take some effort to get there. That's going to take some effort to arrive. Amen? You're not just going to happen to be there. 
Praise the Lord. It's going to take some effort. Amen. And there's, there's some things in our lives. There's some things that God wants to do and transform in our lives that will take some effort on our part to get there. And I'll talk about some of those things here in just a few moments. But Jesus took them apart to pray. And when he did, amen, he was transformed. Praise the Lord. He was transformed before them. You see, there's things in our lives that only will come by way of prayer. Jesus told his disciples later, he would say when they came to him and they said, Lord, we've prayed for this demon-possessed boy. Why is it that we couldn't cast the demons out? And he said, because some things only come but by prayer and by fasting. Some things. Well, how do I know what things it is? I promise you, God knows how to tell you exactly what things require praying and fasting. How many of you ever had the Lord speak to your heart, impress your heart to do something, to not do something, to stay back from or to get involved with? You've ever had that happen? When you respond to that, that's how our faith is built. That's how our faith grows. I've shared with you before, faith isn't, isn't some hyper uh, ecstatic feeling that we have. Faith is simply obeying God and following Him in obedience. If he says do it, like Jesus' mother said to them at the wedding, then do it. Praise the Lord. doesn't matter how big, how small, how limelighted it might be or whatever. You and I cannot help but be changed and be transformed when our life is seasoned in prayer. I want to take a few minutes, if I can, to share a few things with you that God wants to transform in your life. Amen. God wants to transform. Number one, I'm going to give you four quick points and then we're going to go home. Number one, God wants to transform your past into praise. Now, I can safely say that what I, I, I can assure you that what I'm about to say is the absolute truth. Nobody in here was born, born again. I could safely say that many of us in here, outside of the essence of grace, was some pretty bad stinkers. That was another good place to say amen. <laughs> Those people that are watching us by live stream are thinking, you know, they're, they're at home hollering it out. Yeah, I was. But they were in here, they'd be like, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. There's some pretty bad, uh, well... <laughs> I was talking to someone not too long ago, and they were, we were talking about, uh, he kept talking about his, uh, his B.C. life. I said, B.C.? What are you talking about, B.C. life? He said, before Christ. Oh, okay, I understand exactly what you're talking about. We all have had a B.C. life, every single one of us. Amen. God wants to transform your past into a place of praise. In John, in John chapter 9, Jesus comes to a, to a scenario, or he comes to a setting rather, where a blind man was in need of his sight. Amen. This man, was, this man, according to the Scripture, was born blind. And the Scripture tells us that when the Lord came to him, now I want you to, if you understand anything at all about how God works, he will sometimes go ways to do things that are, that are totally out of, out of um, uh, sync with culture, all right? You're blind, you've got a need, you need to go see the optometrist, the ophthalmologist, whoever it is. You're blind, you have a need, and you come to Jesus, he might do it for you just exactly what he did for this guy in, in, uh, in John uh, chapter 9. And what did he do? They brought him, said, this man's blind. Lord, what I would love for you to give me my sight back. He said, all right, give me just a second. <laughs> How many of you read that story before? He spit in the ground, and he made a mud pie out of the spittle and the mud. Is he doing that because the guy can't see and nobody's going to really know what's going on? I mean, think about, the, think about how wide the mouths of the onlookers at that point was looking like. Becky, did you see what he just did? What's he fixing to do now, Dale? I don't know. 
Watch this. Glad Dale's back in service with us. Dale went and had him one of them things updated so he can get a little bit more gas mileage. <laughs> so uh, glad you're in service with us. Man, he reached down there and he, he, well, didn't he start your life off that same way? Isn't that how he began your life? He didn't speak your life into existence. He reached down and he began to form your life out of the dust of the ground. Why can't he form something in your life that same way? And so this young man had a need in his life. He was blind. Jesus made a mud pie, slapped it on his face and said, go wash at the pool salon. He fumbled his way. He found his way there. And ultimately, he got there. He began, he washed. And as he's washing the mud out, he's starting to see things like he's never seen before. It's, it's blowing his mind. It's not just blowing his mind. I mean, the excitement of that going on certainly has to attract attention. Amen. And so he began, to, he began to praise the Lord. But you know what? The religious crowd that was right there watching all of this happen, they began to condemn not just the young man. They began to condemn Jesus. How did they do that? What did they do to make, make it uh, like it was uh, uh, the fault of the Lord? Well, you know, they could not deny that something miraculous happened. Amen. I can tell you right now, there might be people who condemn what it is that God does in your life, but they cannot, amen, they cannot deny that something miraculous happened in your life when you, when you once was walking this way, amen, towards your own will and your own way, but the Lord turns you around and now you're walking this way. Nobody can deny that something wonderful has happened in your life. Can you say amen? Nobody can deny that. Praise the Lord. And if they, if they want to deny that, they'll do so against the, uh, against the, 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 uh, the proof. They're doing it against the proof. But they began to say, well, maybe he, was, maybe he really wasn't born blind. Boy, they began to jump on him. And whenever they figured out real quick that they weren't getting anywhere with him, they started jumping on Jesus. And I want you to notice, go home, go home tonight again and read. I'm giving you a lot of assignments tonight. Read chapter 9. You'll find out what they told Jesus. They came to, they came to Jesus and they said, all right, we, we're not going to deny that something wonderful's happened. But it wasn't supposed to happen on the Sabbath day. That's a bad thing. Wow. Isn't it amazing how folks will find fault with what God's doing in your life? From, from the smallest detail to the largest. Now that fella could have given, he could have given himself over to the uh, opinions of the crowd. He very well could have. But he knew for sure something wonderful happened that he was not going to deny and it was forever going to change his life. Amen. Jesus turned it around on them and he reminded them, he said, while I am on this earth or in this earth, I am come to bring light to them who sit in darkness. Praise the Lord. The, the, the man that was touched, uh, he had no problem thanking God for the change uh, that took place in his life. His past was dark. His past, amen, was closed off. His past, there was no hope. Uh, in his past, there wasn't anything that he could could look forward to amen but then he come in contact with Jesus uh, and Jesus transformed his past uh, and now uh, he says where's the house of God I want to find myself in the house of God where I can praise the name of the Lord hallelujah amen I've said it before I've been to churches before where you felt like if you didn't get out quick enough he's going to catch pneumonia not because of the air conditioning but because of the cold spirit been there before where I've seen folks baptized in pickle juice. Ought not to be. Not for those who have a past that has been transformed and now can give God praise. Hallelujah. David, no wonder why David said, I will enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Hey, listen, when we come, I'm going to throw this in here. It ain't going to cost you free. It ain't going to cost you nothing. If you want to give something, somebody come up here and get the offering plate. We'll take it. But anyway, listen, David said, I, I, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. He didn't get to the house of the Lord and then get glad. 
He didn't get to the house of the Lord and say, boy, I sure hope oh, Brother Brandon will play that song, amen, that we used to sing as a kid growing up. No, when he got to the house, he had brought praise in the house with him. Hallelujah. When you come to the house of the Lord, I think it's important for you and I to bring praise with us. Can you say amen? Bring praise. We bring the praise of the Lord into the house. I read the story of a wealthy family that adopted an orphan. This orphan was, was left really in life uh, as he started life off as an orphan, but never really had anything in and out of homes and things of that nature. But this wealthy family, they wealth, wealthy family adopted him, and so they brought him back to the house, and they told him, said, said son, whatever you need, you can have. If we don't have it and you need it, we're going to give it for you. And they played this scenario over and over to him and began to share with him how that, you know, you don't have to beg us. We're your family. We want you to have what you need. And every once in a while, they would be uh, as a family sitting in the living room or something, and they would, they would see him run off. He'd be gone for a little while, and he'd come back to their to their uh, uh, group uh, meeting or whatever and wiping tears from his eyes and then he began talking with them. And as they, as they began to watch this happen over and over, the husband said to the wife one day, I said, I wonder what he's doing. I wonder what he's doing. She said, I don't know, but next time he does that, let's kind of sneak around and follow him. Kids, how many of you know parents sneak around? Parents, how many of you know kids sneak around? <laughs> yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. We plant holly bushes right outside the windows of our children. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. We, don't, we, have, we hire armed guards. <laughs> so the child got up one time, and he left. Can I be dismissed? Yes. And so he left. The dad got and kind of followed him at a distance and was watching him. Pretty soon he followed him, watched him walk into the bedroom. He left the door a little bit open. So the dad looked through the door and he was watching him through the door. And he watched the boy. He went over to the chest of drawers and he, and he opened the chest of drawers and he pulled him out. And he grabbed this old, tattered, worn, tore up shirt. And he just kind of held it up and he looked at it put it back into the drawer. He looked at the shirt that he had on, brand new, nice and pressed, clean. Looked a little further and there's a pair of shoes. He pulled them out, they had holes in them. Looked down at his shoes and they were brand new. Put it back in the drawer. He shut the drawer. Dad kind of stepped out of the way and the boy ran back into the living room. Ran back in the living room and he jumped into his his uh, mom's lap. He said, I just want to tell you how much I love and appreciate you. Spoke something to the dad. It spoke to the, that, that adoptive dad that day. You see, this young man could not get beyond the fact that somebody adopted him, but every once in a while he had to go back and be reminded of just how horrible his life was without his new father. Every once in a while, there's been times where I've been driving down life's highway, minding my own business, and something just speaks to me about how it was that my heavenly father reached down into a horrible pit and pulled me up out of a miry clay, and he, has set, and he set my feet upon a solid rock and established my going. And when I think about that, and I think about where I used to be and where he's brought me to, I, I mean, I just can't help but give him praise for transforming my past. Praise the Lord. I don't wear the filthy rags of my sinful past. And if you're in Christ, you don't wear the rags of your sinful past, but you wear a new garment. We put on a new garment, the garment of praise to our God. Hallelujah. Amen. Let him transform your past into praise. 
Once this young man received sight, he was eager to follow the Lord. And, and interestingly enough, the religious crowd of that day wanted to make it trivial. They wanted to trivialize. I like, and I, I'm fixing to move on, but I wanted to point this out. I like what they said. As they began to inspect him and they began to look at him, they said, you know what? We figured it out. We figured it out. Well, okay, what, what have you figured out? You've been faking it this whole time. I don't know how old the, the, the young man was, but if you'll notice how that the religious crowd begins to decipher and try to disseminate every single miracle that happened in the New Testament, they always tried to find some way to make it look like we were pulling the wool over their eyes. Yeah, you were, you were, never, really, you were never really blind. Then they come to the point to where they said, okay, all right, we're willing to resign to the fact that maybe he did touch you. But you do know he's a sinner. And I like what this man said. He said, whether he be a sinner or not, I don't know. But this one thing I do know, he said, I once was blind, but now I see. Whether he be, he's not a sinner, I can tell you that. He's not who the world thinks that he is, but he is the light of the world who has come to set men that are, to set at liberty men that are bound and to set in light men who are in darkness. Praise the Lord. That's what the prophet Isaiah said. He said that this is the condemnation, or John rather said, this is condemnation that light has come into the world, but men choose uh, darkness over light. Let it not be of us. Let it not be of us. Let him transform your past into praise. One thing I want to I I look, look to you as well, Genesis 32. Go home tonight and read Genesis 32. I'm sure you've read it before, but I want to bring it to your attention one more time. I want you to see how God can transform a battle into a blessing. Genesis 32, that story uh, in the Scripture where... The Lord speaks and he ministers into a guy, to a guy whose name is Jacob. You've read about Jacob. You've read the story of Jacob, how that, uh, you know, he, he uh, uh, deceived his father. He tricked his brother. He, uh, you know, just a conniving individual. Now he's having to pay for his past doings. And in Genesis 30, 32, Jacob is running for his life from Esau. And if you read the story there, he's in this situation and he's planning how that he's going to once again subvert Esau and get over on him and try to not have to bring, uh, bring the past into, uh, uh, into the future and deal with it. And so as he's there splitting his family up, one half is over here, the other half is over here, and he's there just, uh, just negotiating and, uh, you know, and just uh, uh, getting all of this together. And all of a sudden somebody grabs him from, the, from behind. Man, as he spins around, he's ready to fight. But the, but the fella he's ready to fight, Jacob can't, Jacob can't hold, uh, hold his own against him. And so they began to wrestle. You know the story? They began to wrestle. The angel of the Lord begins to wrestle, amen, with Jacob. Here he is beaten and pounding and, and just, uh, just, just uh, driving him to a place where he's fixing a call for surrender. All right, I give up, I give up. How many, of you, how many of you as kids used to remember playing and, you know, you'd keep on playing until somebody hollered what? Uncle. I give up, I give up, I give up. Maybe that's where he was. Boy, the Lord was beating on him. In fact, it touched the hollow of his thigh. And he couldn't hardly move. He couldn't hardly get around. He's in this battle, and God is really crushing him. And he finally, he, he, he finally shakes free enough to where he says, let me go. He says, I can't let you go. You need to let me go. The day's breaking. It's about daylight time. I need to get out of here. Whoever you are, get your hands off of me. He said, I'm not going to let you go. Well, then don't let me go until you 
bless me. And God blessed him. How did he bless him? He touched him in the hollow of his thigh. And the, Lord, and the Bible says that the Lord, the Lord left him. At that moment, Jacob got up. And the scripture says that he began to, to limp around. He's all beat up, bruised, bloody, hair all messed up, blood running down the side of his face. I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's a sight to behold. Think about it with me for a minute. Here he comes, walking back to his family. They see him from a distance, limping, all beat up and bruised. Oh my God, what happened to you? Oh, I just had the biggest blessing in my life. Yeah. You see, sometimes, sometimes the battle becomes the place of blessing because he beats out of us what it is that's been destroying us. Amen. You know, I appreciate the comforting words of the Lord when he says, hey, Matt, you don't need to act like that. You don't need to say that. You don't need to do that. You don't need to whatever. But sometimes Matt is hard-headed. And sometimes he had, you shut up. You just shut up. I heard what you thought. Sometimes he has to beat it out of me. And I can tell you, when God beats some stuff out of us that wasn't supposed to be there anyway, and when we stand up from that place of beating, and it looks like we're bruised and busted up like nobody else can recognize us, that ain't a, that ain't a thing to be, uh, to be shunned. That's, a tr that's an emblem, a trophy of grace. That's a trophy of grace. That's God doing something for us. And we can walk around. Yeah, sure. He lived the rest of his life limping. Amen. He lived the rest of his life with an altered state of life. But it was for the glory of God. God turned that battle into a blessing in his life. He, he brought him to the point. God didn't have to do that. He could have left him there to fend for himself. Hey, you made this bed? Lie in it. How many's ever heard that growing up? Amen. You're going you're gonna to play in that mess? You're going to live with it. God could have left him there, but God loved him too much to let him stay that way. God loves you and I too much to let us stay that way. And sometimes, uh, friends, he'll pound on you. Sometimes he'll beat on you. Amen. Not to hurt you, uh, but to help you. Can you say amen? He'll push on you. He'll press on you. Amen. The potter has his hands uh, on that clay and he's mashing it in. Uh, amen. According to the prophet, he's pushing it in. And when he makes it a vessel that he's pleased with, he says, this is my beloved son. Wow. Sometimes the battle can be turned into a blessing when we quit fighting God and we start participating with him. Now, I've, I mean, you know, I'm a muscle-bound, bodybuilding dude here. I've never, been, I've never been a boxer. We got any people here that's been a boxer? Anybody that's ever boxed? Any of you ladies that's ever boxed? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Never been, a, never, never had to do that. Never was really, it never really um, appealed to me to, Get in a square with somebody and let them beat the tar out of me. I mean, <laughs> just. But I've read where boxing trainers will tell their students, they'll teach them how to box, they'll teach them how to do the maneuvers and all of that. But every once in a while, that opponent can get a smack on them that'll ring their bell. And that trainer, if he's a good enough trainer, he'll tell them this. He'll say, don't fall on the mat. Don't fall down. It's over. You fall down, it's over. What do I do? If he, if he beats a snot out of me, what do I do? Roll over on him. Lay over on him. Fall toward him. Let him hold you. That's some pretty good advice, isn't it? Sometimes God gets in the boxing ring with you and I. And he'll knock you, but he's not trying to knock you out. He's not trying to knock you down. He's trying to knock some sense into you to where you can lay over on him. You can lean on him.
Praise the Lord. And sometimes when the battles of life get so, get so uh, overwhelming, if you can just lay over on the Lord and let him turn your battle into a blessing, amen, you can find strength. Sometimes your greatest lessons and, and blessings in life are disguised as a battle, but it's not flesh and blood we're battling against. Amen. So let God transform your battles into a blessing. Here's another one real quick. Daniel chapter 3. Go home tonight and read it. You'll probably be staying up all night long reading the Bible. That's good. Daniel chapter number 3. Let God transform your fire into freedom. You've read the story of the three Hebrew boys. The ultimatum was given. Bow or burn. Now, I want to just throw this in here, and I, I, I want to I take time. Young people, y'all look at me. I want to take time to share with you something that I believe is very important. Mom and Dad, y'all help me out here. If you look at the context of this scripture, chapter number three, what was it that was, that was the, 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 uh, the, the point at which they were supposed to bow? What was going to happen? We're going to start playing music, Right? soon as you hear the sound of the sackbut, the harp, the psaltery, the timbrel, the, uh, all these other instruments, as soon as you hear the music, you start bowing down. I think there's, there's a design there. Mom and dad, how many of you understand, as parents, there, there is some music that is designed to get our children to bow to the God of this world. That was a good place to say amen. Young people, I know it's going to sound painful, but there's some music that is alluring to you that you have no business if you're a child of God parading around with. I saw this guy the other day walking down the road. The, guy, the fellow that was with me, I pulled over, I said, I said, we've got to get out and help this dude. What's wrong with him? I said, it looks like he's having a seizure. He just got a little closer to him. He had walkie-talkie or headphones on. And he was listening to that rap music. How in God's name can you get anything out of that? <laughs> Young people, I ain't picking on y'all, but y'all got some stupid music. <laughs> Everybody at home, shout amen. You know I'm telling the truth. There's some demonic music. Is it, it's, it's no accident that the forces and the spirit behind the kind of music that is capturing and, 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 and working to capture the mind and soul of our youth today, it's, no, it's, it's not by accident that that just happens to be from a, a place of, of, of fallenness. Who's the author behind all of that? It certainly isn't Christ. It certainly isn't the Lord. It's Satan himself. In fact, if you'll go back, pastors talk time and time again about a fall prior to the fall of man. That fall was Satan being cast out of heaven. In fact, in the book of Matthew, he told his, he told his disciples, he said, I saw Satan cast out as it, as it was like, a, like lightning in the sky. He was thrown out of heaven. What was his job in heaven? Music. He was the, he was the supreme cherub creating music. Out of his body, music emitted out of his very being was musical, uh, musical melodies. Now that he's cast out of heaven and not able to take his reign as what he wanted to do, what do you think he's going to, how do you think he's going to try to get back at God's people? He's going to try to pervert and contaminate the things that they listen to. Now I'm just going to throw this out there and whoever it hits, it hits. And if it don't hit anybody, you save it and you, you use it to hit somebody next time you know. There's stuff that goes on in church music that's not right. 
Paul gave us the prescription in the New Testament, singing to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. What are psalms? Psalms is scripture. We sing scripture. There's scriptures in the Bible that we sing as a, as a routine uh, song selection in our time of worship. There's places in the Bible that are scriptural mandated. Uh, there were songs of, uh, or psalms rather, of David, psalms of Moses, psalms of other people. And we sing those still in the church today. The songs that he's referring to may not necessarily be scriptural necessarily, but they might as well be. What do you mean? Well, here's a good example. A song that we sing sometimes that is not a scriptural mandate, but we sing it and it is biblical, is simply this. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Sinners plunge beneath that blood and lose all their guilty stain. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I want, that's not a scripture, but it might as well be. It might as well be. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We've got Psalms. We've got hymns. We've got spiritual songs. What are spiritual songs? Young people, what are spiritual songs? Songs that, songs that invigorate your spirit and, 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 and elevate your spirit to the Lord? Sure, it's that. But it's as well those, song, those songs that you pray. Whenever you start praying and the presence of the Lord begins to invade your life, and you just start, you just start worshiping in tongues. You ever had anything like that happen in your life? Amen where you just began to, you came into the house of God, maybe burdened, maybe you were on your job site, you were burdened down with something, you just began to petition the Lord, and pretty soon it's as though the heavenly choir began to get around you, and you've had to, you had this overwhelming sense and this feeling that God is in this place. I like where Jacob was at whenever he was uh, wrestling with the Lord. He said, this is a dreadful place. This is a house of God. Not, I don't want to be here, but I want more of what's going on here. Amen. Let God speak to your heart. Back to these guys. Bow or burn? They said, King, oh, throw this out here free for you. Pay attention. Young people, pay attention. These are young men. They have been pulled away from their family into a place of isolation. They could give in and go with the flow. Nobody ever know. Nobody would ever know. These teenage boys. But you know what they did? They said, listen, King, we don't have to. We, we ain't got a petition. We don't have to call Congress. We don't have to get our senator involved or our state representative. None of that. Not worried about any of that. All right. Next time, I'm going to give you a second chance. Next time you hear the music, bow. Tell you right now, do what you got to do. We ain't bowing. They didn't bow. They didn't bend. You know the story? They didn't burn. Now they opened the ovens and threw them in there. Have you ever thought something? Think about this. The soldiers that King Nebuchadnezzar, old Neb, used to throw those boys into the furnace, they opened the door, they threw them boys. The, the fellows behind the boys got scorched. Now, go to, I'm going to challenge you. Go, go home tonight and read Daniel chapter number 3, and I want you to ask yourself a question. And the question I want you to ask yourself, what happened in this one verse that caused what I'm about to tell you to happen? He threw them in. All right, the king, think about it logically. Throw them in. Open the door. Throw them in. These guys get scorched to death. They die. Shut the door. Lock the door automatically, if the guys outside of the furnace died, we should automatically assume the guys inside the furnace died. But the very next verse says, the king came and he looked over into the furnace. Why? He didn't want these kids 
messing up his agenda. Why is he worried about looking into it? Well, if you, if you look at the Hebrew translation of the scripture, the Bible, the Hebrew translation says that the king heard them singing praises. You see, in the middle of their fire, in the middle of their turmoil, they began to praise God for the privilege to suffer for his sake. God, if you want me to suffer, I'll suffer gladly for you. And they began to give glory and praise unto the Lord, so much so that it drew the attention of the king back to the furnace. The, they, he looked over and he said, I don't see three, but I see four. And the fourth one is like the Son of God. Hallelujah. I can tell you, God's going to transform your fires, um, amen, into a place of freedom if you'll allow the fourth man to get in there with you and stay with you, stay dedicated to him, stay on fire for him, stay disciplined. Uh, Stay uh, ready to answer the call when he calls unto you and just say, Lord, I'm not going to bow to the commands of this world. And what did he do? He transformed that fire into freedom. So much so that the king came back and said, you know what? From this day forward, if anybody prays to any other God but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's God, they're going into the furnace. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Yeah, God's not doing that anymore. Oh, yeah? 1 Peter 4 tells us, brethren, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials which are to try you. God, I don't know why you got me in the middle of this fiery trial. Why don't you try praising him instead of griping at him? Why don't, you, why don't you try giving him glory? Lord, I had a flat tire, but I don't know what you saved me from, but I'm just going to give you glory anyhow. I don't know why this happened, but I'm going to give you glory anyhow. I don't know why this went down, but I'm going to give you glory anyhow. Start allowing your situation to be challenged with praise instead of pouting. Praise the Lord. One other thing, Brother Brandon, if you want to come back to the, to the music, we're going to we're fixing to dismiss. Let God transform your pain into power. How many of you in here have regular pains? I read somewhere, it was really interesting to me, I read somewhere the other day that senior citizens, senior citizens have the biggest case of AIDS of any group. Hearing AIDS, walking AIDS, <laughs> roll AIDS. <laughs> hey, I, I did, I read that. <laughs> There for a minute, you're like, well, I got that one beat. But then when I name the Rolays and everything, you're like, oh, man, that's me. <laughs> Let him transform your pain into power. I'm not talking necessarily about physical pain. Yeah, that happens. Paul talked to us about some pain that was going on in his life. In 2 Corinthians 12, he talks about the pain that came to him in the form of a thorn in the flesh. I don't know exactly what it was. Some say it was his eyes. Some say it was this. He was, he was short stature. Maybe he felt, uh, I think history says he was anywhere from four foot eight to four foot 11. Small guy. Maybe he had a small man syndrome. I don't know. Don't know what it was that he actually dealt with. But it was such that it always brought him back to calling on God about it. And in one instance, he besought the Lord three different times for God to take this thorn away. We're talking about the Apostle Paul, this man that, I mean, he's preaching one night, and a fellow falls out from the upper balcony and dies, Eutychus. And Paul goes over there and says, Yo, hold on, just keep the song going, keep the song going, y'all keep I'm going to pray for him. Pray for him, and he got right back. We're talking about that kind of Paul. The kind of Paul that when he's preaching and somebody's behind him bugging him, he just turns around and says, I'll rebuke you, devil. And the devil departs out of that woman and she's set free. That Paul. The Paul, you know, who wrote 13 of the New Testament books of your Bible. He had a problem in his life and he brought it to the Lord. And the Lord says, Paul, I've heard your prayer. I'm not ignoring you, but I need you to keep hold of this. This thorn 
this, this, this thorn, this pain is going to become a point of power. I would dare say that if some of us in this building tonight did not have some form of a limitation in one way or another, we might not be here tonight. And that was a good place to say amen. If everything you'd ever hoped for and desired and wished for fell into your lap and it became what you wanted, you probably would not have a life of grace. Amen. Some of the greatest things that you don't that you have in life are things that you don't have that you didn't get that he did not give you amen i've 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 had carnal prayer meetings before god i'm so tired of my neighbor just kill him just kill him <laughs> i'm glad i'm among company People of like precious faith here. Just do them in. Boy, I tell you, if I was God, I'd, I'd fry them to a bacon crisp. Look, <clears throat> he prayed for God to remove that thing, thinking that I can better serve you, Lord, if I don't have that in my life. But can I challenge you with this? Whatever the, whatever the thorn is, a sickness, a financial struggle, a, a strained relationship, whatever it may be, God challenged Paul with this. He said, Paul, quit worrying about the pain of the thorn. You think you could serve me better without this thorn? Let me tell you what you cannot serve me without. You can't serve me without my grace. And Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. Would you stand with me tonight? My grace is sufficient for thee. Once God gave Paul that prescription, that remedy, we don't find him petitioning God anymore about the removal of the thorn. But we do find Paul time and time and time again asking God, Lord, increase grace in my life in fact paul said this we will we will go from grace to grace from glory to glory i can make it to heaven with a thorn in my side as long as i've got his grace operating in my life can you say amen i'll share this with you and then we're going to close we went to new mexico here a few months back we were way up in the mountains coming around the corner and wow, something I'd never seen before. Big horn rams and sheep just running across the road right there. So we stop and do what everybody else does that you see on Facebook and everything else. Get out and try to take pictures of the animals. But I watched one of those. I watched one of those sheep go over to a little bush. And I had already been around these types of bush in in the uh in our, our travels there and they're they're very thorny i don't know if it was indeed a true thorn bush but it was a very thorny bush you fall into it you're all cut up and i watched that i watched that uh that animal gnaw at the bottom of that bush <laughs> thinking to myself well watch this sucker he thinks to cut his mouth up all right i get my camera out i'm ready to video this this dumb animal, he don't know what he's doing. And he chews off the bottom of that bush and he works that thing through his mouth and he starts chewing it. And boy, he swallows that thing. And I'm looking at this in amazement like this dude is tough as nails. Didn't bother him one bit. And he kept eating away at it. And then it dawned on me what he was doing. He was taking that he, he was taking that limb and the way that those barbs were, were, were uh, pointed upward, he would turn that thing around and swallow it. If he swallowed it the way that it grew out, it'd cut him all up. It'd tear him up. It'd ruin, his, it'd ruin him. But he'd turn it around and he could swallow it and digest it. And it was useful to him. And I got to thinking about that. I said, you know, 
as the Lord began to speak to me about that. God says, you know, if you'll swallow things a different way, some of this stuff that you're complaining about will help you. I said, Lord, I'll share that with somebody that needs that. I don't need that. I've got it all together. <laughs> if you'll swallow it a different way, there's going to be some thorny things that's going to show up in your life. I'm not prophesying this. I'm just telling you what, how it is. There's going to be some thorny things that show up in your life. But if you'll swallow it a different way than it was intended for you to swallow, God will make something good out of it. It can benefit you. And it can bring praise to his name. I want to be transformed. How about you? How about you? Father, we thank you tonight for your goodness and your grace. We thank you tonight for the privilege of being in your house. Lord, what a wonderful church and body believers that this church is. Lord, there's no doubt those in this room tonight that have their share of needs, their share of troubles and sorrows. Lord, I'm confident in knowing that your grace is sufficient for each and everything that we deal with. Lord, I pray that as the days progress on and maybe even the challenges of living this faith life uh, is, is more and more difficult, I pray you give us power and strength and courage to meet the challenge. Lord, there's not one thing that you would withhold from them that walk before you uprightly and that seek after your will. Minister to us today, God. Grant unto your people your grace, your spirit, your power, your anointing. Lord, we'll be quick to give you glory and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you tonight for being in the house of the Lord. Shake somebody's hand. Be friendly. Invite them back to the house of the Lord.